He's a former NFL lineman, an undefeated pro wrestler, an MMA fighter, and an actor. His name, His name. is Bill Goldberg. And this is Who's Next with Goldberg. That time again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Who's Next with Goldberg. And a little footnote, if I uh, if you hear a little noise in the background, it's my dog and my cat uh, doing a little boxing Muay Thai sparring match over here. So think nothing of the uh, extracurricular noises in the background. But anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, for downloading Who's Next with Goldberg. Appreciate the support greatly. And uh, talking about support, everybody go to CheckpointTheMovie.com and check out the trailer for our new movie, Checkpoint, coming out next Memorial Day. It's kind of a tribute to the men and women who fight for our freedom every day, and uh, it's kind of an eye-opener. So everybody go to CheckpointTheMovie.com, and I won't give it away anymore. Without further ado, the one, the only, the hammer, Jesse Tuggle. What's going on, Bill? How you doing, man? Man, you know, it's it's such a pleasure to talk to you, dude. Um, I, I can't even tell you. I missed you. I, I spent so many good years over there in Atlanta and a couple good years with the Falcons uh, uh, watching you guys wreak havoc on Sundays. And um, I miss you, man. How's, how's life? Man, no, life is pretty good. And, you know, by the way, thanks for that nice introduction. And it just amazes to me how fast time goes by because it seems like um, it was like yesterday when you and I was on the football field, you know, back in the early 90s. You know what I mean? It's crazy. And, and it's crazy, but so far, so good, man. The life is good. You know, I just had my 50th birthday this year. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, and now I have two sons playing in the league, and my daughter's in grad school. How do you do, how do, you do it, man? Two sons <laughs> in the league and your daughter's in grad school, man. They Talk about a chip off the old block. Hey man, you know what? It, it, you know, it just amazes me how you know good things have been. Um, you know, watching the kids growing up and they used to come to the games as, as young kids, and and you know, watching them go through grade school, then then junior high, then high school, and, and each year they get bigger, stronger, and faster. And my major concern with all three of them, because they all three were athletes, and my daughter went to school on the tennis scholarship, was that uh, they figure out what school they wanted to go to and how how I was going to pay for college education, right? But <laughs> there was so, so I got a little lucky, man. I got a little lucky, a little blessed because you know they all went to school on scholarships, man, and they're great kids. So uh, you know, God's good, and, and my wife, you know, she's doing well, and so everything's been working out, you know, pretty much. Retired life is not too bad. How's Atlanta treating you, man? I know well, you spend a lot of time there with, with this day and age of free agency, man. A guy playing for one team is uh, is an anomaly. So well, I was pretty fortunate, you know, to um, to grow up right here, you know, in Griffin, Georgia, you know, which is 40 miles south of Atlanta, and wind up going to school at Valsa State, which is 200 miles south of Atlanta, and spending my 14-year NFL career for the, with the Atlanta Falcons. So you know, it was, it was really cool. And I think even when I was doing it and I was living it and I was going through it, I didn't really – I really appreciate it. But now, once my career is over with, man, and I can remember, you know, all my friends and relatives who had the opportunity to watch me play in the Georgia Dome. And then with everything has been said and done, and I finally retired in 2001, and um, and now my jersey hanging up in the, uh, in the raptures of the Georgia Dome. So that it's a pretty cool story, man. I don't, I, you know, it's just funny how life plays out, and you don't know what to expect next. And uh, it's just been 
It has been really good, and, uh, and it's made me feel really appreciated. Well, I got a nine-year-old son, and I'm trying to teach him about the word karma. And right. I think you are a great example because, like I said, man, you are a very positive influence in my life, my career. Thank you. And you know, thank you, man. You're you're very welcome. But um, and and, and I, I've never heard a bad word word out of your mouth. I've never never seen you pissed off at anybody. I uh, truly believe that you know you live your life in a very positive manner, and good things happen. And that's what I'm trying, trying to instill in my boy. And I know you've done that in your children. And, absolutely, uh, absolutely. It's the most important thing, man. So I truly believe that you know, as good a guy as you have been your entire life, man, it's just coming back on you. You know, it's all. Man, you know what? That, that, that's great. You know, and, and it's so cool. And hopefully, your son would get the interview as well, and that he'll understand that you know the, the influence you had on my kid. Because you know, as a as an NFL player, it's really cool, uh, like to the other kids. But when it's your kid, you know, he when particularly growing up, they really don't understand. You know what I mean? All right, so I can remember a time when I was a, an all-pro linebacker in the NFL, and you're the professional wrestler, and my and my kid loves you to death. Right now, it, it was just so amazing because if you go to my son's room now, he's 25 years old, and I haven't really changed his room much, so he still has a lot of his posters of some of his favorite people. And one of the posters you have is he got Michael Jordan, he got a poster of me, he got Mike Vick, he got um, Barry Bonds, these are people that all the time when he was probably in right turning 13, 14 year old age. And then he got Bill Goldberg and he got, your, <laughs> then he has your poster autograph and it's still on the back of his door. So it, it blows me away that when I see that, because at that time you were just as large as any other sports figure in the United States, uh, if not around the world. And, um, and it was such an honor because my kids swear he swore me down. Dad, you do not know Bill Goldberg. <laughs> you do not know Bill Goldberg. And Bill, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you remember when you invited the Atlanta Falcons down to the, I think was it uh, Phil Serena, right downtown Atlanta. It might have been the Atlanta Omni Center, somewhere downtown. And, and you had all of us make a guest appearance and get into the ring. I thought that was really cool. My son goes, Dad, do not get into that ring. You're going to get killed in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought that was a pretty good story you can share with your son, man, because that, that really made a big impression on him as a, at that age, and um, and I thought it was really cool. Well, you know, you first of all, can I put that video online, man, because people need to see that. Oh, no, no, they do it, man. You got you got to do that. That'd and so cool. secondly, man, I got to tell you, you know, I do all my due diligence on all my guests before I have them on the show, and obviously I know a hell of a lot about you, but I wanted to show my son who Jesse Tuggle was. And right. I okay. want I want you to know that because of you, I now have – absolute proof that I did play a game in the NFL <laughs> because when we, when, cool. when we were watching a bunch of the, your highlights, man, that game when we played the, uh, we played new Orleans in new Orleans and I busted my thumb on Dombrowski's head that and when, right. the, when the extra point got blocked, uh, right. you recovered it, man. I came in yep, out yep, of absolutely right. nowhere and blasted somebody <laughs> on the pile, like the late hit guy that I am. And right. So, so I can, it, it is documented, ladies and gentlemen, that, di, that there I did. There you go. And I did actually make it on the field. So. <laughs> so that, that's pretty cool, man. That you know that that's that's the coolest part about it when we have kids make it opportunity to see us in a whole different light. You know what I mean? It's hilarious, so, man. It is, it is so hilarious, and um, you know I, I can still remember times when my kid was just learning to play football, and I would go out to the, the rec uh, center to help coach some of the young with some of the young coaches there. And 
And I, I tell my son, I said, he'd get home. I said, well, son, this is the technique I want you to use because, you know, it's a little different than what the guys are teaching you. And um, he goes, Dad, what are you talking about? No, these are my coaches. You don't know anything about football. Man, I, God <laughs> almighty, I deal with that now. I can't even tell him anything. He doesn't even think I know, I know. anything. <laughs> that is so hilarious to me. But, but as little as we know as parents, our kids are like, they're like sponges, right? So they'll absorb into all that information, and then one day the light comes on, it clicks, and they'll say, "Okay, that movie was talking about." You know what I mean? Well, please and tell me so, when does so that when, when does that happen? <laughs> I, hope, I, mean, I hope I hope it's sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Sometimes, sometimes a little later, but that is so so funny. But what you're going through now, trust me, I went through it. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it, man. And you know, you you going through it here? Please help me out as a parent. Absolutely right. <laughs> so. Obviously, with your violent background, I mean, we see eye to eye on that side of it in that we treat football as a it's an extremely violent contact sport. And it's like two cars crash in every single play. So as that responsible parent, was it a difficult decision for you to let your your kids play football? You know, uh, I think yes and no. I I say yes, because it's your kid. You know, it's the same guy. Saying kid, you held in your arm as a baby, and, and you want to do everything in the world to protect them. But then I thought about all the time when I played, how much I really enjoyed the game. And um, and it's a violent game. I think now the game is getting so much better because we're more educated, you know, from the professional level to the college, high school, even down to the rec school, uh, I mean, the rec level. Because I, I can remember times when I used to go to the park, and I was a big hitter. Uh, as far as uh, laying hammer hits, and I loved it. I loved the physical contact. But then when I saw coaches teaching it wrong, when they would have a kid five yards apart and they would let them lay them on their back and have them stand up and run head to head with oh. each other, that used to drive me crazy because that's bad technique. And not only does that destroy the kid's body, you know, physically, but mentally, it takes the love out the game <clears throat> because you have to really. I think football is such a physical game, but even as parents, you know, we played and our kids, you still have to learn how to hit. It's something you learn to do. And then, but when you teach someone the right technique early in life, not only how to hit, but also how to protect themselves, I think I carry the game so much farther and a kid develop a love for it that can last him a lifetime more so than hating to go into practice because he just, this one big kid going to put his helmet next to my helmet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and and that's the that's the thing that we had to really watch as parents out there to make sure coaches are teaching the right and proper technique for safety number one, but also so the kid can get the opportunity to learn the game and learn how to to appreciate the game, respect and respect others, and to get the most out of the game. It is a it is a physical hard nosed contact sport, but when you when it's done the right way and you learn to do it at age eight, nine, ten, and carry on until high school or college, if, if you're forced enough to the NFL, it makes the game safer, better for everybody, and particularly parents, because as a, I, can, I can see young mothers who, have, who are really concerned about all the injuries and concussions and everything they hear in the news. But, you know, just like riding a bike, if you fall off, you're going to get a concussion if you don't have a helmet on. So it's it just little things. You can't be too protective, but you have to be smarter. Yeah, you know, but he, here's a question I've got, and you know, you can, you can talk on it as an expert because you got two kids in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Were there a generation of coaches that just didn't teach proper tackling, or was it, yes. or was it just in vogue 
to hit a guy as hard as possible and stand over the son of a bitch and act like you just won the Super yeah. Bowl. I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand it. So what, what happened in that period of time? I think like, okay, I think every generation gets smarter. So we look at back at the at the fifties when they were talking with no helmets on. They moved to the sixties and seventies and the helmet come on. And then we as as human that coaches as players and as as anybody who's dealing with football. You have to get smarter throughout a period of time. Yeah, I think it was at one point, particularly in the 70s. And <clears throat> so I was born in 65, so in 72, when I was like in the first grade, I probably started playing football to like early, uh, late 70s or 80s. Yeah, it was taught to me to hit with your helmet and run through the guy as hard as you can and be as balanced as you can. It, it was no special technique of uh, dropping your hip, face up, wrap up, you know what I mean? It was like, it was just talked to me at a, at a way that tried to train my mind and body to be as violent as I can, you know, with my body and my helmet and everything that I had on. And that's the way it was taught. And then when I used to watch it on TV or watch it, that's how I thought everybody played. You know what I mean? And so I, we, we didn't know no different deal. We tried, we, we tried to be as physical and hard-nosed as we possibly could. There was no doubt about it. And then even I, I can find myself even later in my career, and I even got smarter as a player. I, you know, I was still hard to hit about. I tried, I tried to position myself in different positions, my body in certain positions where I wouldn't take much of the hit or wouldn't absorb much of the pain because we all human, and our human body wasn't made for the physical contact that football asks of you to do. You know, so it, it's a, it's a hard known sport. I mean, it's not it's not it's not a sport. If you don't want any contact, obviously, it's not a sport for you. But if you love contact and you do it the right way, it's an awesome game. And I, and I love it. So And I still do. After raising young kids, young boys to play, and still have two that play in the league now, I still respect the game because there's a lot, a lot of stuff comes from it and a lot goes into it. The one and only. There is only one Jesse the Hammer Tuggled, but there are other hammers out there. <laughs> and, 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 and I remember when MC used to you know travel on the plane with us to San Fran, but there's another hammer that I rubbed shoulders with yesterday. The okay. guy named Fred Williamson. Okay, You know who Fred is, right? Right. Fred and I did a movie called Checkpoint, and we were promoting it up in L.A. yesterday. And he did a little deal with TMZ, and then TMZ grabbed me and – and I, I was talking to Fred, and, and that's what brought you up to have on my podcast because he and okay, I were talking, talking about the hammer. So tell everybody about where the where the name came from. I know it, but you got to rehash it. All right. It's so ironic because you know I came into the league as an undrafted free agent out of Boston State. I go to camp, but even in college and high school, I know I've, I've always been known to be you know very physical and a, and a pretty good tackler. So we get to camp, and I, 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 I'm i hitting guys pretty good. So I, I really tossed them around pretty good. I, I was a 500-pound bench presser. So, so the first name they gave me was Ragdoll. I said, man, hey, that dude, throw, he throw guys around like they're Ragdoll. So Ragdoll really didn't stick, which I can, I'm, right now I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> so so maybe a year or two later, and I'm out there nailing people at practice, man. And it came from practice, and then the people used to watch me in the game. If that dude, that hit like a hammer. Now, that's when I first noticed guys started calling me Hammer, but I don't, I can't recall the first person, I mean, the first name that said it first, and then the nickname just sort of stuck with me, and after every hit, boom, that's a Hammer hit, Hammer. And then all of a sudden, my, my teammate just started calling me Hammer, and, and that's how uh, I officially became the Hammer. And, 
and it's so ironic. It's just that, you know, when you're living and going through it, I wish I would know the first person who actually called me that, but, um, but that's how the name generated. I'll tell you what, man, there's no more appropriate name for you on that field than the hammer, man. I, yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. Now, you know, I tell my, I tell my son about working out and, you know, he's nine and he wants to work out now, but I won't let him yet. But okay. I, I, I always refer to the story about you and I training one day and jumpy coming in to the weight room. Oh my. Oh yeah. Please tell everybody that story because I've told it a couple times on on the podcast and I don't know if uh, people well, believe this me, is, but. but this is the way I remember some of the stuff with Jumpy. I know it's not just the same story, but now Bill and I was extremely strong and we were like warriors in the weight room and we could lift. I mean, you know, I think Bill, you know that you love being in the gym. I love being in the gym. Oh yeah. You know, I was I was a strong guy. He was a strong guy. But then, then you got jumpy gathers. Okay, you talking? You you're talking about a guy who's six foot six, almost six foot seven, so lean, and had the strongest upper body you ever, ever want to see. I, I've seen him go to the weight room and literally, literally take the one hundred fifty pound dumbbells and lift dumbbells. Dumbbells are the hard part. So people don't know. I've been a bench presser when you stabilize the bench press. Had a lot of weight, and it's pretty. You have to be strong to do it, but you have to be so strong in your shoulders to do dumbbells at 150 pounds and bent press them. And I've seen Jumpy Gathers do sets of 10 with that. And it, and it just blow me away that literally he can control the 150 pound dumbbells. But that, that's how I remember jumping in the weight room, just being extremely powerful, strong, big man. Now, and I now and Bill, I hated and I hated just as much, if not more, than when he walked in there because he used to walk in in street clothes and that cigar in his mouth. And yeah, say, that's right. Is this what you guys are trying to do? And just pick crap up and throw it around like it was nobody. Unbelievable! I saw John B. probably probably about two weeks ago. He did. He came to a Falcon game, and uh, I haven't seen him in years. But um, you know, he still looked good for his age, man. But that that probably the most powerful man that I think I've ever been around in the weight room, uh, even on the football field. If they know anything about forklifting, if you ever think about <laughs> forklifting a human being, just try to Google <laughs> Google him. And, and they Newton. Can, <laughs> and you have a new light where a forklift is. Now, that guy can lift a 300-pounder off the ground and literally drive a, a guard back to the quarterback. Dude, uh, I remember when he picked up Newton and walked him back to Aikman and sacked Aikman with the other hand. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I don't think I've seen a stronger man on the football field than other, other than jumping together. Not, not just from this man, natural given power that you can come out of your hips and lift a 300-pound man up with one arm and, and tackle the quarterback with the other arm. You, you just don't see it every day, right? <laughs> you know, the the cool thing was that the, his sense of humor was pretty amazing too, man. I mean, Jumpy came from a different planet. Oh, there's no doubt about it. With yeah, we, Jumpy yeah. on one side and Pierce Holt on the other, man, I don't know where the hell I was. Yeah, Jumpy, you talking about a character. He he was a character. Still lives. I, I live here in a, in a gated navy, na- neighborhood with the same house I still lived in, Bill, when I played here. And it's sort of like, you know, it's very private, and you don't hardly ever get any guests, you know, that pop up at the house without the security guy calling and say, hey, you got a guest coming over, you know what I mean? All right, so one day. Hold I'm on, about, hold on, let me guess, let me guess. He brought all his kids? No, no, this is crazy. I remember our office like one one night about nine or ten o'clock, and a the big dark shadow hit my window, and <laughs> boom, 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 boom! It was all like almost jumped out of my seat, man. 
You know, imagine someone who's six foot seven, as big as Jumpy no was, and still is. Was that the window? Hey, Tuggle, open up the door. Oh my God! I, I, no I way. I would have had to shot him. I, I would have <laughs> so, shot him. It, it was hilarious, man. But that was part of his character, though, right? He would always do something that out of the ordinary. But those were the fun times, man. I haven't thought about that in years, Bill. So I really do appreciate you calling me, man. You kidding me? That's what these podcasts are for, man, to rehash all those cool memories. That's why oh, it's yeah. so much fun, you know, with the Chuck Smiths and the Jamal Andersons and the, the Dion's And how about the – Man, P- God, remember Pegram? Oh, my God. Man, Eric Pegram? Oh, man. Pegram yeah, used to sneak me out every night, man. I don't man, know. Pegram, you know, you remember his nickname, right? Mm, what, oh. Teen Wolf. Oh, yeah, Teen Wolf. He, because he had all the hair in his back. He was like, he had the hairiest upper body you ever want to see. That dude had hair in his back that was like an inch long. He had hair on <laughs> so, top of the hair, yeah. I know, right? And uh, so we used to call him Teen Wolf. And, um, uh, and it was so funny, and you're right, off the field, a character, <laughs> for sure. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah. Jamie and, and, God, Hoover and man, Hinton and, God, what a time we had, man. Clay man, we, we had. I know, see, the, the craziest thing when you just mentioned Clay name is that I can remember when Clay first came to us, and Clay was, like, probably, I don't know, maybe five or ten years older than me then, and I used to watch him, man, and I was saying, this guy, he had been in the league already eight, nine, 10, 11 years or whatever. And he wound up playing like 18 years, right? 17, 18 years. And then for him and his brother have his kids still playing in the league right now. And and I, and I told my son, Justin, I said, Justin, you don't even remember this, but Clay, Clay Matthews uh, Jr., who's, um, who's right now a star player at Green Bay. I said, I can remember he's in our locker room as a, a young teen. And I used to tell you, he might've been an uh, adolescent, but he was, he was probably like nine or 10, because Justin was probably that time, like four three or four. And now I should tell him, hey, you can't play with them Matthew boys. Them boys are too tough. <laughs> <And> look, <laughs> they used to control that locker room. I mean, it, was, it used to be like four of them, man, because Bruce kids were there, then Clay kids were there. And and I think four of them boys playing in the NFL right now, which is ridiculous. But uh, that was uh, – it brings back a lot of memory, man. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun playing with Clay Senior, and I had a lot of fun playing with um, – you know, playing against Bruce also, so it, that, it was it, that was pretty cool. And now you know, Bruce is uh, Bruce. One of Bruce's signs is um, is a starting tackle for the Atlanta Falcons right now. Unbelievable, man! I'm going to attribute at least five years of their career of Clay's and Ken's to Toradol. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's no there's no <laughs> question right. about it, man. Oh, man, that was like that was like kids waiting for candy. Oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. We talked about, you know, obviously you got two very successful sons and a very successful daughter. Uh, they very much look up to their father. Who was the biggest inspiration in your life that made you, uh, you know, that gave you the drive that you have today? You know what? I think, you know, obviously watching my dad. My dad was a track and trailer driver. And um, and actually, I'm Jesse. I'm, I'm the third, actually. I'm named after my dad and my granddad. And, um and it was so cool, you know, when I was younger, you know, just watching him and driving a big truck. You know, they didn't make any money, but just watch the discipline of doing it, you know, week in, week out. Then as I became uh, my first year in the league and second year in the league and people started recognizing my name, he said, my dad was still driving at that time. And um, and he would come back on the weekend and tell me, you know what, it's pretty cool. I stopped at these truck stops and, and people asked me, Jesse told hey, are you the kid that guy that played for the Atlanta Falcons? And I would say, yes, that's my, that's my son. Now, that 
I don't know, that's something tiny. That is so, my dad is no longer with me, but that is so big to me, though. You know, because I, I, can, I can hear the proudness in his voice when he would say that. So I always wanted to make him proud of me, and I think that motivated me to push through all the hard times and all the difficult obstacles I had to, you know, jump and get through and say, if he never quit, I won't ever quit. So, and, uh, and, that, and that pushed me throughout high school, college, and pros. And, um, but as I got closer, you know, when I started looking at different people in the league that inspired me, and there was a lot of local guys played here, like Buddy Curry and Joel Williams, and then other guys around the league, like Mike Singletary and Sam Mills. You know, all those kind of guys influenced me and influenced my career over a period of time. Man, I was, it was funny because, you know, after the Falcons let me go and I went over to Carolina, Mills was there. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a <laughs> the temporary time that I was there, I lockered right next to him. And what a what a man that guy. Oh, yeah, great guy. The Sam Mills, the late Sam Mills, inspired me so much because before I even came into the league, you know, he came from a small school. He was a small linebacker. I was like, this guy can play at 5'9". I know I can play at 5'11". You know? 5'11". Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even this, you you've been you've been you've been updating your Wikipedia page too. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's, it's so funny because I actually watch him play, man. I say, okay, I know he can do this, and then I can move my last year. You know, Sam was at the time. You know, he was coaching for the Panthers, and uh, my last year in the league, and I didn't know whether I wanted to um, try to play somewhere else or just go ahead. I had play 14 years, going to my 15th year, and I had a sort of a bad hand and a bad knee. And I was thinking, I said, I want to call somebody who knows what to give me the right insight. And I talked to Sam on the phone. And I said, Sam, how was it for you when you knew it was time to retire? And I said, I know in the back of your mind, you think, oh, I'm sorry, Sam, we got one more year. I said, I think in my mind, I may have one more year. But, and then we had such a longer conversation. And then I appreciate that conversation because Sam and I had really talked much over a long period of years and, and, and not particularly about, you know, my career, end of my career. And, and he was almost at the beginning of his new career coaching. And then, you know, and then he was gone two years after that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you, you have to appreciate certain things in life. Uh, I don't know if it's two years, but a few years after that. And, and uh, but he was one of the guys who I really looked up to and respected. And, and I was so glad to hear his opinion of my situation at that time. And even though he took the, you know, to, was able to take my call and just give me a ring back, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, though, it, like you said, this those small things, man. Like him taking your oh, yeah. call and calling you back. Uh, yeah, that, that mean That means so much. Oh, yeah. Both of us in our lives have done a lot of things. Um, oh, once, yeah. Once you look back on a lot of the things that you've done, and I look back on a lot of the things that I've done, a lot of the things stick out because of those small things. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people ask me what the coolest part of my wrestling career was. and. Uh-huh. You know this because I think I've told you before, but the coolest part of my wrestling career was the night that you guys came in the ring. See, that is so cool, man. Yeah. No, and it, and it's true, and it's not because I won the world heavyweight championship. It's not because right. there were forty five thousand people in the Georgia Dome watching a wrestling match. Right. Mm-hmm. It was be it was because the guys that I respected and bled with and sweated with and looked up to so much that one night wanted to kind of be in the limelight where I was. And I had worked, I've worked my entire life to be a Jesse Tuggle, to be a mm-hmm. Mike, to be a Mike Ken, you know, to be right. a, Rick, a Ricky Bryant, man. And, and I, mm-hmm. unfortunately I put everything into it and I, you know, I, I, I fell short, but 
Um, I was able to do it at something else. And for that, man, awesome. for that, for that time, man, that night, and I was sitting in that corner looking up at you guys and you had the most fun. You had the biggest smiles on your faces, man. Oh, was, no doubt. <laughs> it, it was, it was really poetic justice for me and it was a defining moment. So man, that's, that, is, that, yeah. that small thing, man, that, that you guys said, which was yes to coming to that match made a, made a big difference in my life, man. So you know, that is so cool. And the coolest part about it is that the average man don't get the opportunity to hear when they hear guys like me and you chat is that we see it from different perspectives and to hear that from you, man, because I was there and I felt so excited just to be there. And I'm so happy that you, you know, you were, it was Bill Goldberg. Bill, your name was just as big as any athlete name in the country. And, um, and now to hear you say that you're so proud to have us there, it means it means a lot. I mean, it is it is the little things, and I and I can appreciate that as well. I love you. I respect you. I look up to you, man. And you've you've done a lot for me in my life, and uh, I just want to thank you publicly. You know how I feel about you in person, but no uh, doubt. And I greatly appreciate you being on the show today, man. Uh, hopefully, we'll get you back sometime soon. And man, best of luck to the family, man. And uh, and who are you cheering for on Sundays? <laughs> Jesus. You know, I know, right? Hey, look, how about this right here? First of all, I want to say thanks for having me on the show. And and when you see Frederick um, Williamson again, you tell him thanks, too, because if it wasn't for that hammer, you would never thought about me, man. You got it. You got <laughs> that, it. That, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But, uh, but yeah, man, you know, I still cheer for the Falcons, and that's my, that's my, you know, my, my blood is still red and black, and I love it. And, um, but also, man, the Texans on my my team because that's my boy team. So I cheer for both. And this year they played against each other, and they also recognized me at halftime. They showed a few of my highlights, and I thought that that'll be a special moment for me forever too. You know what I mean? To have both my boys there, and my daughter flew in from New York. She was there up in the suites, and and that that was so special for me this year. So I, I thought I'll always treasure that moment. And uh, but like you said, man, it's a little thing. It's a little thing. So I do. I really do appreciate you having me on the show. Hey, man, best wishes if I ever get to California, man. Let's hook up for a beer or something. Absolutely, man. And when I get back to the ATL, man, I'll give you a ring. And uh, uh, again, man, I wish everybody could see the smile on my face right now, man. It's <laughs> the most fun I've had on my podcast. And- we got right, to keep perfect. we got to keep in touch man okay yes sir all right man take care of yourself the one and only Jesse the hammer tuggle yes, see you buddy sir. boy this has been who's next with goldberg check out other great podcasts from sports usa like snake steaks with jake plummer at sportsusamedia.com